As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell. Today I'm going to be talking to Jason Davis of the best soccer show of Sirius XM. Uh, recently of fatherhood, Jason just had a baby with his wife. He didn't do the work there, but he does have to do the parenting. We're going to talk a little bit about parenting, a lot about the national team and covering them and what it is to do a daily show and lots of other meandering topics in there as uh, has come to be tradition when I speak to Jason. But I am doing this preamble to let you know that, but also to let you know that we have a new feature, a live show, a digital at-home live show. This week it will be myself and Ryan Bailey on Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Stereo app. You can follow the link in today's show notes to sign up, register, and then be there for that. But we're going to be discussing Ryan's recent Soccer 101 episode about the Champions League and the history and how it came to be. But then we're also going to look at this season's Champions League, what might happen in some of the knockout rounds. And you all, if you are there, can uh, record your own messages, be they questions or comments or whatever, and uh, submit them. Joe's, I think, going to be moderating those, so you'll be able to ask us questions. We'll live respond. It should be a very good time. I'm excited to see how it goes. So again, that's going to be Thursday, 5 p.m. Download the Stereo app, set up an account. It's all free uh, and and pretty easy. We'll see how it goes with the questions and what ends up happening there, but I'm pretty excited to see how it goes and to figure it out with Ryan. Uh, So that will be Thursday again on the Stereo app. Follow the link in today's show notes. And with all that said, now I will turn it over to myself talking to Jason Davis. With me now is the new dad himself. It's Jason Davis. Jason, it is great to talk to you, but I'm going to start with the obvious question. How are you here and not like simultaneously half asleep and 100% awake? Well, I, I definitely am half asleep. Okay. I think I, when when we set this up, Taylor, and yeah. it's good to talk to you. It's been a while. Oh, yeah, um, you too. I, I think I was thinking, well, I'm not sure what day it is. And, <laughs> you know, what sport are we talking about again? Yeah. Which one is this? Um, But, but I... I I definitely have been paying as much attention as I can, and I'm feeling pretty good about this talk we're going to have, and I'm glad to be here uh, to talk. Uh, maybe we'll talk about about babies at some point. I mean, Perhaps I, we I think that. we can. I think we can go ahead and get into it because I like like you have the experience, and now you have a, a, a new baby. Uh, Tiago mm-hmm. has arrived. Like, Tiago's. 
it, how long do you feel like it normally takes to say remember the days of the week or be able to make <laughs> medium term plans? Because I kind of feel like everything is very much like fixing stuff as it comes in, uh, desperately trying to keep the head above water. And I'm kind of looking to you to make sure that that eventually ends. Well, so here's here's what's weird. Uh-huh. So for people who don't know, I have a 12 year old son who will be 13 in May, and obviously I have a, a newborn, and it you forget very quickly. All of the the rough times Mm -hmm. and the lack of sleep and the scrambling to find diapers or bottles or whatever. When you have a kid, like they grow up, they move on. You're now worried about them putting forks in light sockets. Like that's (laughs) your your the thing your kid you care about has changed day to day. And now I'm kind of getting all these flashbacks. It's wild. It's like you know it's a very different situation, and my life has changed immensely. And I'm much more you know thankfully I'm in a place where. If the diaper thing happens or the formula things happen or the, or we need something, whatever it is, I'm in a position to go out and get it and not sweat what that means for my bank account, whereas that was the case with my, my yeah. first child. Um, but it's still the same thing where it's like, oh, oh, yeah, I remember this now. Like I remember getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning and changing a diaper and, and feeling like I'm dreaming this. Like it, it is – it is well. It, it, it'll you know. It'll slowly. You'll slowly get your your rhythm. Now, you, so Revy is now what? Three months old? Two and a half months old? Uh, yeah, two and a half thereabouts. Uh, let's see. Just, no, not even. Not even two. Not, not even two we're months. We're supposed to say this in weeks, Taylor. We're supposed to know it in weeks. How many? See, weeks I, I was trying to do that math the other day, and I'll be honest. Like, so she's born December first, and then like okay. I think that I got up to like the twenty. What, so four weeks would be the 28th, 29th? Again, here we go, multiplication. <laughs> then it's that crossover into January where I lose some time, and then I, right. I kind of go from there. But yeah, I right. think she's like eight weeks. You and I are not going to be ex- explaining the GameStop short sale thing uh, to people. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Dude, I, I will tell you, not kind of, kind of related to that, I had two on two different occasions people who either worked or had worked in wall street in financial situations trying to explain to me how shorting something works and i just yeah. can't like i cannot get my head around it it's been explained so many times to me and i'm still just very rooted in the idea of like but somebody like if i'm betting this team is going to win against you like if i say this team will win you say no this team will win and we have that wager there's that other person who's like financially accountable for me being right, right or wrong and yeah. that th- I cannot figure out how that works right. with shorting. And so yeah. I end up just getting very confused right well, off the, the bat. You know, I've read a couple of explanations as well. And it's always they, they mention borrowing. And I'm like, how do you borrow a share from? Yeah. So- I don't understand what that. No, what? That's not a physical. Maybe it is a physical thing, but you don't like head over to the office and take the pieces of paper that say you own this many shares of a company. And then, oh, yeah, I'm going to sell these. Like what? What? I don't. None of that made any sense. <laughs> no. But yeah. at the same time, it does kind of crystallize for for me. That thing that is there are there are parts of society and life and things that that various people are are interested in or or do for a living that are inaccessible to others and there's a lot and you and you and I've been working in American soccer in these circles for a while i you'll sometimes I'll have that conversation with somebody who doesn't really know soccer but like wants to know about what I do, and I'll say. You know, that, that my wife still doesn't understand the difference between club and country. She still cannot figure it. It, it just doesn't yep. click in her head. She's like, oh, that person plays for Mexico. I'm like, yeah, but he also plays for this this club. And she's like, oh, well, those are all Mexican players with the club. No, that's no, that's not how that. And then I get frustrated <laughs> and I quit. And that's a very <laughs> simple 
part of our game. You get into tactics, people's eyes gloss over. It's the same thing with us and, and, and shorting. Okay. That makes, that does make me feel better and put it in perspective. And I, and I share, I share your sentiment because I think my wife is aware that there is the championship, which I think she knows is, is a thing. And then also the champions league. So. Okay. Like, like eight times out of ten, if there's a game on, she'll be like, is that the, the champions? And then look at me, yeah. and I'm just like, oh, champions. No, yeah. okay, yeah. Okay, I see where we are now. Uh, yeah. But yes. There's always a, a resetting of what what I'm watching. Okay, she wants to know what it is, but but her understanding is like, okay, what who is where is that one? And she does this thing with – I think I've told this story before. She likes to do this thing specifically with MLS where she looks at the score bug, and she sees the three-letter, and she'll go – uh, Sounders, and I'm like, yes, very good. You get a point today. <laughs> I like that. I, my my wife has uh, she's run through like all of the Netflix uh, period dramas, and now has moved into sports documentaries. So she was Ooh. watching the Tiger Woods one. She's watching uh-huh. Last Dance now. I'm gonna try to get her. Oh, she watched the Maradona one. She was obsessed with that. I'm gonna try to get her into the two Escobars. So I, I like that approach that she's she's into the the documentary format. Uh, well, there's definitely human drama that that yeah. does translate. That's good. Like do, you, do you have favorite like do you have favorite soccer like vehicles media whatever they might be shows TV shows shows movies documentaries whatever? Um, if, if for me personally, mm-hmm. or for like like getting pe- other people into soccer, Which one? You, oh, you prefer? Well, I think I mean this has probably been you know it's 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 almost too popular at this point, and I know that's we shouldn't worry about that. We should just like what we like. But Ted Lasso is uh, amazing. If you haven't watched it yet, see, I still have not, and I know I'm like one of the eight people remaining in the country who has not. It's not a soccer show necessarily. I mean, it's about a soccer coach, kind of. I mean, not. not. Yeah. It is, it, and it you know it takes place at a soccer club or a football club. It's not really about the soccer, and there are po- there are points in it where if you are a soccer person, you're like rolling your eyes pretty hard. Mm-hmm. But you get over that really fast because everything else about it is is excellent. I. I think that that's the kind of show that people who don't like soccer at all can get into. Um, as for like documentaries and shows and things like that, uh, and I remember watching Sunderland Till I Die mm-hmm. for the first season and a half or before I was like, okay, this is too depressing. I have to move on. Um, I think I watched I, – I love Hillsborough, which sounds terrible because of what it's about. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think it's an amazing documentary. Uh, two Escobar is obviously very, very good. I'm trying to think. I, forgot, I, just, I kind of forgot about Once in a Lifetime until this exact question, the Cosmos one. I remember that one being pretty solid as well. It was good. It came out at a time like it came out sort of before the wave of soccer docs, so it didn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get lumped in with the newer, you know, the, the newer generation and some of the people who have been involved. I'll admit that I've seen parts of the Maradona documentary because I was given a screener, but I don't. It was on HBO, right? Has it moved anywhere yeah. else? Uh, I'm guessing it's probably on HBO, whatever Max, it is now. HBO Max now go. <laughs> it right. changes the, every like two weeks Max now. Yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't gone, but I don't have HBO right now. I have too many other streaming services, so I'm I'm cut. I'm keeping myself from buying into that one. But I do want to go back and watch it. I mean, I, he, he was, he, you know, again as as with a lot of people who are problematic, you kind of have this love for him, but especially because of the player he was. But then go, oh yeah, there's. There's some things, and and those Let's, things being explored are always interesting. And and I'm not going to do your transition for you here, Taylor. But I just wrote a column about Jordan Morris, and Jordan Morris is nothing like Diego Maradona. But there is this thing that happened with Morris where he was put in a box because yeah. he chose not to go to Werder Bremen, and now he's going to Swansea. And no, that's not the the biggest club in the world, and they're not in the they're not in the Premier League. But still, kind of forces people to go, oh. I didn't know Jordan Morris actually wanted to try to go to Europe and do other things. I thought he was just this MLS lifer type that we've all become accustomed to. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it always goes back to the like 
the how quickly we were able to not make them humans and how quickly it becomes like Jordan Morris, the athlete who made this choice that we all know, and he likes his dog and that's who he is now. And he's this box to your point. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like it's, I've, 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 I have like a list of questions. I want to like ask a, a professional or former professional who I have a bit more rapport with just things like, like what's the time that you had a bad game like or a bad result or a bad performance and there was something else going on that you couldn't talk about because that has to happen right all, like all to, the time. to extend the jordan morris thing like i'm sure there's a time his dog had to get stitches and he had a game that day and it was like oh i hope yeah. my dog's okay like they're still human and they're still their kid I mean, is sick their wife has like you know their wife has to be hospitalized like exactly. that stuff is gonna factor right. into the way they play because they're human and i think it's easy to forget that i mean we just talked about how sleep is an issue for us right? as, as fathers yeah. Soccer players are human beings. They have kids. They have relationships. They get dumped. They get married. They get. I mean, there have been times. I, I can't remember the last time this happened, but you know, a player uh, misses. A, I think maybe uh, I'm maybe speaking out of turn. I think Brad Guzan missed a camp because he got married, and I think it was a big thing that in national familiar. team circles. Because yeah. American soccer fans, we're not. Even though we understand our life and we want consideration for what we have to go through as individuals, we definitely strip soccer players and athletes in general in this country. Of their humanity. And we say, well, do whatever I want you to do, not what you're, is good for your life, not the thing that's going to be the next 50 years. Do the thing for the next five years that will help us win games as, as a national team. I, I think we're really bad at that. And I, I don't know that we'll, we'll get better as this gets more mm -hmm. intense and as we watch these players go higher and higher. Yeah, because I, I don't think we will either because like – it's it's the thing of like everybody who has played soccer or follows soccer. There's always that like oh, I wish I could have done that. If I had worked a little bit harder, maybe I could be a pro. I would I would give anything to be in that person's position. And so when yeah, to extend if Brad Guzan is like oh no, I'm gonna miss this camp for for my wedding. I think like I I'll speak for myself. Like I would automatically be like oh man, I can't imagine being called up by Greg Berhalter and having and then being like no, nah, I'm getting married tomorrow. But like that's right. because I've never been called up by Greg Berhalter. Brad Guzan <laughs> has many times. It's a job for him. It's an experience. Right. He's got the relationship to know like i'm gonna pass on this one it's a friendly one but i'm gonna do this i know we're still in conversation and it's just it's really hard i think to recognize that like this is just these people's like nine to five to some extent and for them it's no different than like oh, i don't really want to sit on this meeting i don't really want to stay past five on a friday like there are those things that it's hard to keep in mind because they're very well compensated professional athletes who are on the cover of cereal boxes yeah, soccer players don't get personal days, I guess is what we're kind of yeah. saying. Right? At least that's the attitude. And obviously, American soccer has gone through, you know, one of these that sort of consumed everything with Landon Donovan, right? So mm -hmm. I, and, and I don't know that we learned anything from that experience, to be honest with you. And that's, I always felt like, hey, you know, Landon Donovan has done, and prior to that, had done so much for American soccer to judge him for needing to step away felt unfair now you can it's different to wonder if Jurgen Klinsmann made the right choice right leaving him out of a world cup after he did all that I think it does send a message that hey you're not allowed to go take care of your mental well-being um, because you'll lose your place no matter how you play when you come back that's not great but at the same time Jurgen Klinsmann's putting together a team to go and play in a world cup and he wants the best chemistry and he wants the best options and and, and maybe that is, that is a disqualifying factor. It's really hard. It really is. It makes me wonder, though, like, because every, like, like the Donovan thing, there are many, many people who will say he is the best player or best American player that we've had. There are many people who, who will talk about how important he was, but you will always find those, oh, well, he couldn't really do it in Europe except for that one time right. with Everton. Like, oh, he wasn't that good, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's always 
two sides, it's always a bit divisive. It makes me wonder who is the most like consensus popular national team player. I lean towards Clint Dempsey. It seems like maybe just because he is just completely walked away once he finishes playing career. It's a mm-hmm. little bit like he hasn't done anything to tarnish that legacy and there haven't been other things going on with him. So to some extent, it's like, yeah, did it did it in Europe? Did it in Major League Soccer? Well, I, did it for the national be, team? That might be retconning just a little bit because I, I do remember when he was at Fulham and he had had several good years and he had done some great things, the, the talk was, well, yeah, but it's Fulham, right? This is a small club. Yeah. Yes, they were the Premier League consistently, but they, if they finished 10th, it was a, a you know, well, it was they did go to the Europa League. But in general, it was that, that attitude, this is a small club. He needs to prove himself. He was linked to Liverpool, and we all freaked out about that. And then he ends up at Tottenham, and it doesn't go all that great. And I think at the time, there was this thought of, yeah, he's he's maybe the best American player, but look at where he topped out. He didn't top out at at Bayern Munich or or, or Barcelona or wherever. He topped out at a, a okay Premier League club and at the time. Spurs, an okay Premier League club, not necessarily a title contender. So, and then he came back to Major League Soccer, and no matter what they spent on him, I think the attitude was, all right, well, I guess that's over. I guess he's not that great because he's playing in MLS. So, is there is there one then? Is there a player who has sort of been? pretty much like even keel supported if not beloved for like the majority of their career because like even tim howard like he has the moment where it's like oh he's doing champions league but also playing in goal that's a weird one <laughs> right um i i don't know you I, you might have to go back to somebody like reyna but that yeah. i don't i don't know if even that's right beasley? demarcus beasley maybe demarcus beasley i mean he did sort of hit a wall in europe before he went to mexico where yeah. It was more about disappointment, like, oh, I guess the, I guess DeMarcus Beasley's not at that level anymore. Not not necessarily criticizing him, but more sort of frustration with, with where he ended up in his career. Because I think he went to Germany, signed with someone, and played like once or something like that. And that's, you know, and, and by that point, I guess he's probably late 20s, early 30s. I think it was in Hanover. Is that where he went? It might have been Hanover. Much? Yeah, yeah it might have been Hanover. Yeah. Oh. Get it together, Steve Trundle, though. That's on you. Uh, so, Roy, I think this connects. I think it was Rory Smith on Football Weekly this week was, I think, talking about some, like, the tendency of, like, modern soccer or journalism media to want to draw conclusions from every single game. And I think his point yes. was, like, that is kind of, like, fundamentally not what you're supposed to do because it's supposed to be seen as this, like, you're building towards something. The team is playing towards a goal and to evaluate – that process on a very like case by case individual basis every single time and draw conclusions from it, it's mm-hmm. almost like to your detriment because then you start to form these opinions that take you in different directions. Like, how do you approach that? Like, like you're doing like tons of different content, tons of different coverage of different leagues. Yeah. How do you like avoid getting sucked into certain narratives or being kind of locked into certain positions? I think, I think sometimes I'm guilty of it. I'm not going to lie and say that I'm not, but I also think that I sort of naturally want to take in more information and not not draw conclu- now you do obviously at some point have to say okay this is what we know and there's a conclusion to be made for example I threw up while I was in the hospital waiting for Tiago to get here and, and I love you Jason I love you yeah. so much <laughs> I was just I, like what do I need to do what do I need to do and you're like let me throw up a tweet real quick <laughs> well I, look it was in a it was in a sort of a down my, my wife was oh. there for Long no, no, time. I want to clarify. Your approach is better. <laughs> My okay. approach is like panicky and like, what do we need to be doing? She's like, oh, I don't know. What do we need to be doing? Yours is just like, panicky it's moments. I will okay. tell you all fair about my panicky moments. Okay. There was really, <laughs> some really bad stuff. Uh, but at the moment, it was kind of a down a downtime. And I was like, okay, well, let, I, I think um, Hoppy had scored again, right? Mm-hmm. Matthew Hoppy had scored again for Schalke. 
And he's he's fun right now. He really is. And I threw up a tweet, and it basically said, you have to go to the Azteca tomorrow. Yeah, I saw this. National team. Who are you starting? And I had Josie, Jossie, Sergeant, and Other, right? Mm-hmm. Those are my four options because Twitter limits you to four options. And I said, if you give, if you give me Other, respond with a name. Now, I'll, I'll just tell you at the end of it, Josh Sargent ended up winning the poll, which I was shocked, but yep. absolutely floored by. I understand people don't like Josie at this point in his career, and there's still the lingering bad memories of Trinidad and all of that. It just was stunning to me that if Josie Outdoor's healthy, he wouldn't win that poll. Um, and Josie's artist, by the way, gets a bad rap in that too, mm-hmm. and, and maybe we can talk about that later on. Uh, but it got me thinking about sort of – because I got responses about Hoppy. I got responses about Daryl DK. Mm-hmm. And I like Daryl DK. I do. Daryl DK has fewer than 20 appearances in a professional environment as a player. He scored five goals or six or whatever it was for Orlando. He had some very good moments in a very weird year, I think it's important to say. But it seems crazy to me that people would jump to the conclusion that you should start a guy like that at the Azteca against your biggest rival in, in a place where it's incredibly difficult to play, where you've, you've never won a competitive match. I mean – I'm not saying there's a great option of those lists in that list, but to go that far, or even Matthew Hoppy for that matter, mm-hmm. I don't care how many goals he scored in three, four, or five games. He's only played five or six games, whatever it is, for Schalke. That's not enough information. So I, I tend to be that person who says, okay, well, we got to see, right? We should wait. Now, at the same time, this is a, this is a business, and I, I mean – sort of soccer broadcasting podcasting we're in different particular you and i are in different areas on some level with my radio show versus what the total soccer show is and how we deliver things and and all that but i do think that you can't separate the messenger from the people on the other end of that right and this is a general sort of journalism problem and i'm we're seeing it now with the change in administration and outlets having to readjust right to something more quote-unquote normal biden wearing that rolex man we'll see yeah exactly so joe biden wears a rolex and and rides a peloton and oh my god like there (laughs) there are concerns about this and it's like did you not live through the last four years and those people on the other end of it and bless their heart on some level are trying to get people to click on the stories because otherwise the Washington Post goes under, or whatever, it won't because Jeff Bezos owns it, but you know what I'm saying, they're mm-hmm. operating as a business. And and you can pick, but on the other end of it, you can say, if you are a rational person, hey, that's not how you should frame that story. You should do a better job of acknowledging nuance or saying, that's really not that big of a deal, and why yeah. are we writing about a Rolex? Um, and, and so as a as a broadcaster in anything, and as a, as a guy who's covering a sport with the passions that run really hot – People want to hear you make a statement. They don't want to hear you say, well, yeah, let's wait and see. That sounds like fence-sitting. And, Taylor, I've been accused of fence-sitting many, many, many times in 10 years. Somehow I'm still here, but I've been accused of that. Like my Jared on The Best Soccer Show, he'll say, make a decision. Make a, make, give a, give a, a point of view, an opinion. And I'll go, well, I don't have enough information yeah. to do that. Why would I? Yeah, and like like with like with Matthew Hoppy for example, like to some extent I would rather a player score 6 goals in 12 games versus 6 goals in their first 6 games because yes. like then I'm instantly like, well, is this like a hot streak sort of once in a lifetime situation or is this what they'll do consistently? And I think the 6 and 6 it's way easier than to be like this is he's the new guy, he's coming in, he's going to score all the goals, he should be starting for the national team. Yeah, he's going to win us the game at the Azteca. And I feel like I would be more comfortable with 
the 12 game sample size, even if it were the same number of goals, because it feels like, oh, okay, like we've seen him in a few more games. We know what he's doing. Yeah. Those goals are a product of him doing specific things as opposed to maybe it was that or maybe it was just sort of well, fluky moments. And this is why it's so hard for, for Burhalter or any coach, right, in that in that situation. And obviously there are different dynamics if you're a club coach than a, than a, a, a national team coach. He's got to decide when does Hoppy or any player who is on a run like that crest that hill of this is potentially fluky, a hot streak, a, a matter of circumstance versus this is who he is as a player and he can help us. If you if the U.S. men's national team had an established striker that you trusted to score goals, to do all the things that Berhalter wants in that system, because that's obviously part of this, and scored goals, we would not be having a conversation about whether Matthew Hoppe should play any games for the U.S. men's national team yet. We would say, oh, that's a really nice prospect, and maybe he should get a look at, with the, the roster you know, in a, in a camp. But we wouldn't be calling for him to play meaningful matches yet. So the national team has a dearth, of, a dearth of options at striker, and that leads people to go, hey, pick the kid who just scored five goals in four games or whatever, you know? This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And then how much does the perceived or the reaction that you perceive factor into your like sitting the fence or taking a position? Because like to your poll, like I think I would agree with you. That it's Josie Alcidor right now, and I think that I add that I think because I know there's going to be people who are like, Josie's terrible. He's the worst thing to ever happen to the national team. Jesse Zardes can't score a goal unless it's like accidentally with his face. And then we stop at Josh Sargent, and it tends to be like, yeah, but he's playing in the Bundesliga. He's fine. Like, and 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 I know that there are players that get popular and have a lot of support for like legitimate reasons. And Josh Sargent, I talked about it with Joe yesterday. Like his game this weekend was excellent. He was very good and made me very, very excited. But I have seen times when I was less impressed with Josh Sargent and more impressed with Josie Altador. And when it comes to Greg Berhalter's system, I think Jesse Zardes does a lot of what Berhalter asks and that's kind of what he needs. And so there's also that calculation a little bit of like, if I say Jossie Zardes, I know I'm going to annoy people. And then I think there are people who are like, good, I want to annoy people because it starts more conversations. And then I think there are people more like myself who are like, ah, like, do I really want to incur the wrath for saying that Jossie Zardes deserves to play soccer? I don't know. No, I, I, I try not to shy away from my opinion on mm-hmm. that stuff. But you're right. There is there is definitely a calculation of, uh, you know, and, and, you know, internally, this is really, <laughs> this is really getting... Uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit about the culture. We'll talk we about the baby eleven a little bit. It'll, it'll lighten it up. Go ahead. <laughs> but it's, it is like we eat our own, right? We, and I don't mean players. Yeah. I mean, our, I mean other fans. We, we want to. If you don't share my opinion or your opinion is, you know, for example, we, we've run into these the, the people that are hardcore anti MLS player guys that, or girls for that matter. They'll say, don't ever pick somebody who's playing in Major League Soccer. You know, now that Jordan Morris. 
is now in at Swansea instead of at, at, at Seattle, he's probably going to rise in esteem with some people. That's fair on some level, okay, if you want to try to, to judge the championship versus Major League Soccer. It, talk about training environments, competitive uh, training moments, those kind of I, – I get it. I do understand. But that doesn't mean Jordan Moore shouldn't be a national teamer if he's in Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, these – are, again, the nuance gets lost, and we flatten everything out. And then you're talking about well, how many goals did he score instead of what does he do beyond that? And and that, you know, I used to. We always talk about how, you know, this is a sport that leads to subjective uh, analysis. Mm-hmm. It just does. I mean, you, we can try and get numbers, and numbers help. They do, and the numbers we are getting now are better than we've ever had. It doesn't mean that, that two people are going to look at the numbers even or watch 90 minutes of a game and say, that guy was excellent, both of them. There, there's going to be times when it's, oh, he was excellent and he was crap. And, you know, who's to say? <laughs> who's to say? Do you, do you ever like wa- like watch a game knowing the results and realize how much more critical you are? Because I find that with Weekend Review, it's why I, I sometimes, even if I'm watching it Sunday night and the game was Saturday morning, I will actively try not to know the score. Because as soon as I know a team has lost, it's really mm-hmm. difficult to not have that in my head. And so then I'm like, oh, this team was just bad from the start. Whereas if, I, if I'm approaching it from like, I don't know what's going to happen it tends to be like, oh, I didn't notice that he did like that move. Or like, oh, that was a good passing sequence. Like, it's really easy to go down that road once you know, like, oh, this player's bad. This coach doesn't know what he's doing. Like, this is oh, maybe yeah. a bad example, but like Frank Lampard, to some extent, I think like as things start to kind of fall apart for Chelsea, it's really easy to just look at that and be like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He has no idea. I think the same thing happens with like Zinedine Zidane, for example, is maybe a better one of if you think he doesn't know what he's doing, you can find the evidence of like, oh, like Eden Hazard doesn't know how to complete that pass. And this person looks angry. He doesn't know what he's doing. And simultaneously in that same game, it's like, no, but then they had a 15 pass sequence that led to like a no look reverse pass. That was then like a one time goal. Like that's a perfect goal. What are you talking about? And it's it's just, yeah, once you start to kind of see things a certain way, you end up seeing them that way and like close the door to the other uh, opportunities or possibilities. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think you could be you can be predisposed to to think negatively about something if you if you or, or positively for that mm-hmm. matter if you yeah. if you know that that's a team wins or a player scores a goal right and, and this game this is a sport built on on particular moments in in a in a game that's continuously played for 45 minute halves right so th- that's where the subjectivity i think comes in unless you have now <laughs> age position is maybe and i'll ask you taylor as somebody who mm-hmm. watches games and watches them back if you watch a midfielder, right, you may have certain things you're watching for that, that you think of as what a midfielder should be doing, depending on their role. Right? If they're a defensive midfielder, how many defensive actions did they have? How many, how many interceptions? How many, how many tackles? Whatever it is. If it's a player that's further up the field, how many key passes? You don't have to think of them those, in those statty ways, but you're looking for those things. And Unless it's like, oh, they, he scored four goals and they came in 15-minute increments, how, you can't judge a player in the totality of their performance because there are going to be good and bad moments for everybody, mm-hmm. right? So if if a, a player goes out and scores a goal, you couldn't say, especially if that's his job, right? If he's a striker, if he's if he's a forward, hey, he had a great game. Even if he did nothing the rest of the match, even if he was not involved, even if he was terrible – I think it's fair to say a guy whose job is to score goals scored a goal. That's a good game for him. There are also some people who would say it doesn't matter. He was crap otherwise because mm-hmm. they're looking for more of a, a total performance. I, I think that's, you know, that's sort of fascinating to me to kind of 
decide where your line is on how much credit you give a player for doing one good thing versus how much do you need to see sort of consistent good play? Mm -hmm. And what even is that depending on, on how the game flows? It's a thing that I'm like constantly aware of, especially with those shows with Joe, because we're focused on individual moments that stood out to us for whatever reason. And I will say like when I was like, I was definitely not nearly as high as some of your voters when it comes to the Josh Sargent poll. I think Josh Sargent is, is very good and going to get better, but I think there are still deficiencies in his game and with that statement, then when I watch Josh Sargent, I think there is like sometimes whether or not I mean for there to be an element of like, yeah, see, there's a deficiency versus <laughs> like even Gio Reyna. I think I had that a little bit where I was like, I have some questions about this. I don't know about that. And so even when he would have a good sequence, like let's say he beats a player, megs somebody else, has a great wall pass, and then his cross like goes out of bounds. I would be right. like, yeah, but he still can't cross. Like right. negating yes. all the other stuff. And it's it's a thing that I have to be consciously aware of, of not letting that bias preclude me from seeing well, development the, and growth. And the dis- the difference between sort of pretty good, good, and elite is so fine. And mm-hmm. it, it is that that last. It is finishing that off with a good cross, right? That, that would, that's what elevates that player to being something more than just a thousand other players that we already know. Right. And I think this is something that's interesting in Major League Soccer because there are a lot of players who can do part one, part two, part three, but they get to part four and it falls apart, right? And, and you know, I think American soccer players for a long time and sort of in general were those kind of players. They could do yep. a couple of things very well, uh, but there were always deficiencies or there was a, a, a lack of tactical understanding or a, a bad a bad first touch or there was a, whatever it might be that yeah. couldn't finish. You know, oh, my God, look, at he does everything right. But for whatever reason, he can't finish. And I, I that's sort of recognizing that as part of a developmental process is maybe tough, too. Right. Absolutely. I, when I he's think 17, how much credit do you give Giovanni Reina being 17 right? or 18 now? And oh, well, maybe in two years he'll get it or, or, versus like, oh, man, he just can't do that right now. I've got questions. It's like it's it's I'm going to call it the like negative story leveling up. But as you like reach those levels of it stops being like, oh, yeah, he's only 17 now. We're like, ah, he's doing it for Fulham to your earlier point about Dempsey. Like yeah. as we get like 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 Pulisic, for example, when he first moves from Dortmund to Chelsea, it's suddenly like that's the next leveling up. But then it becomes, oh, he's not starting. He's not getting minutes. That's not good. Uh-huh. And like we quickly forget, like, but like a week ago, we were all pumped that he was even at Chelsea. And then he starts st- like playing every game. And then it <laughs> becomes like, well, he's not really? scoring every game. Like this is a problem. And it's <laughs> just, I like the idea of like what the level of criticism is. Like maybe that is where we can gauge these players. That if the level of criticism is like, well, he hasn't won the Champions League yet. Like that is a big leveling up from he can't, you know, cross the ball in Major League Soccer. Yeah, I do. I do think, you know, again, culturally, we're having an adjustment period with that. I mean, we spent a lot. I talk about this a lot. I don't think people like it as much as as maybe I like thinking about it. Uh, But I talk about a lot about the inferiority complex that we have as American soccer fans. And I do think that's true. I think that generally speaking, we're looking for validation from South Americans, from Europeans. We're constantly underrating our own. Uh, our own talent or, or or our own culture, for that matter. Like, oh, my God, why do we name our teams the way we do? And mm-hmm. why do we have the songs we sing? And why do we hand out yep. song sheets? And it's like, because you have to start somewhere, right? You don't. You don't just yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a fun form. thing. We I think honestly I do forget. Sorry to interrupt, but like I think we forget that it's supposed to be a fun thing. And I think when you are <laughs> the 
the up and comer like challenging an empire. You don't have time. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with that historically of like how often there's the new, the new thing that's coming up that's going to challenge the empire. But then eventually that thing that wins becomes the empire and becomes kind of lazy right. and bloated. Um, and like I think we forget that when we're like trying to be that next thing, we want to get to the next level. It's always about how are we going to do that. Is this person good enough? Is that person why haven't they scored? Why aren't they doing this? Can mm-hmm. they be a number six? Are they a right bet? Like, and we mm-hmm. forget like yeah, but that guy's just fun. Like let's just enjoy that that dude is like yeah. trying to rainbow somebody or trying to score from 40 yards out like not having that luxury to just simply enjoy i think is also part of it because we're so focused on are we going to win are we going to qualify for the world cup i don't want to lose to mexico in a gold cup final like yeah. those concerns sometimes i think overwhelm or supersede just yeah that was a fun game let's watch them well, we, we internalize it all we do and, and americans i don't know if this is different i can't speak from a european's perspective i can't tell you that uh, the, the fans at, at in Stoke or Manchester or wherever aren't also internalizing every failure of their club or every every mm-hmm. single moment. But as American soccer fans, we absolutely do that. We internalize this. If if an American player fails somewhere, it doesn't even matter if we care about them or their club. That That's a reflection on us. And how dare they, right? Again, come back to, to, to Jordan Morris. How dare he not sign for Werder Bremen? That, that's that's he's hurting American soccer, not just himself. Like, oh, I think he could be a better player if he sided for Bremen. And maybe that would make him a better national teamer. And that might help our national team. And I really want them to win. But but you're hurting American soccer, Jordan. How dare you do that? <laughs> you're hurting it. He hurt it. And now he's trying to rectify that by going to Swansea. I'm really excited for the Swansea move. I think it's going to go well. And then I look forward to being fan. horribly wrong and being made fun of. No, I'm a big fan. I, I Look, I think that even if it doesn't work out the way that he wants it to or the way that that Jordan Morris fans wanted to, national team fans wanted to. I think it's the right choice. I think it's a great kind of entry point. And you know, I don't know that I'm going to see we're going to see Jordan Morris playing Champions League football in the next three years, but I could see Jordan Morris being pretty solidly mid-table yep. in the Premier League for the next five or six years before he hits thirty for sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty-four-seven U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Who are the players for you? If you're doing a show that's just like, I just want to do a show that's going to be fun, it's going to make me happy. Who are the players, American or otherwise, that you enjoy talking about enjoy watching enjoy just little moments like who are those guys that sort of make you like watching soccer make you excited to talk about soccer i you know this is going to sound boring because everybody's this is going to be everybody's guy right now but it's hard not to just be joyful over weston mckinney I mean, yeah. right it's uh, yeah. impossible the, the guy is and, and what i love about weston and this is this is not so much about his game although it, it probably informs his game on some level he is so unapologetically american yeah. he sort of 
he's sort of Clint this way, but with a bubbly personality rather than the dour personality that, that Clint brought. Yeah. He's so unapologetically American that it makes me feel good. Again, I'm internalizing, right? This is a rec- reflection of me as an American soccer fan, that there's this kid from Texas with this big personality who's got, who's in Turin playing for Juventus, scoring goals, helping them do things. And, you know, obviously it hasn't been the year that they wanted so far, but they might climb back to the top. Mm-hmm. I'm thrilled by that. I, it's it's maybe best case scenario. I And I didn't see I didn't see it coming. Like a lot of people, I liked Weston McKinney as a player, but I didn't know what his ceiling was. I thought he was kind of a, you know, a, a try-hard midfielder, got stuck in, won some balls in the air. Maybe he'd pop up for a goal every now and then, but what what what, what was his level? Like Schalke yeah. felt like his level. Yeah, and it's and it's I hadn't really thought about this, but like so much so much of like who he was when he first came into the national team was this breath of fresh air. They're playing like. Like, uh, keepy uppy games where you flick the person's ear if they lose, like, which doesn't sound that much fun to me. I'm not really a big fan of that one, but like, you could see that he was bringing in that kind of like friendly camaraderie, that good vibe. But to, like, and he was this like good vibes, very fun, very nice guy. If you talk to him after a game, he's always very open, very friendly. But yeah, he's like a shocker guy. He's going to play a couple different positions for them. And it feels like now that he's with Juve, that personality is still there. But because of like the people he's surrounded by, instead of it being like Julian Green in a national team, like kick around in camp, it's like he's having a competitive salsa dancing competition with Juan Cuadrado and Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, all right, all right, Weston, are oh, you going to lift the, like the, uh, the cup with like, like Chiellini, like happily clapping you on? Like, all right, I wasn't really ready for that one. He's singing the shocker song in german just like the the personality has been what it is it's just now it's surrounded by these like world-class players on this world-class team and it feels like oh now he's world-class i guess that's that's where we are with him and he's an ambassador right yeah. and again this is this is the other thing of, and this is part of that american attitude and why i love it because i i don't I I like to think I don't need validation, right? As an as a soccer fan, as an American soccer fan, I, I really like to think I don't. But of course, you know, I'm I'm human, and I want to see American soccer thrive, and I want people to respect it, and and we all want that. So when when Juventus fans are singing Weston McKinney's yeah. praises, when they're when they're making songs about him and and all of those things, it definitely makes me feel like okay. You know, not, maybe we haven't arrived, arrived. We haven't go, gone to a semifinal of a World Cup, whatever your, your metric is for that. But damn, if not, if, if we don't have Americans who are making a difference at big clubs. Now, I will say, and I'm going to throw a massive wrench in all this real quick, because I do think this is worth, I was thinking about this today. I don't know what any of this looks like in quote unquote normal times, Taylor. I don't. And it doesn't mean, this is going back to how much information do we have. It certainly looks like Weston McKenney is good enough to play at a club like Juventus, be part of a Champions League caliber outfit, you know, play in one of those famous clubs in the world, play alongside Cuadrado and 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 Cristiano Ronaldo and Chiellini and everybody else. But as with the younger guys, I if these stadiums are full, if all the business goes back to normal, is this is where we are with sort of the American emergence? Is that is it the same? I, I I honestly don't know. I can't go back. I can't change anything. I can't do a counterfactual. I just wonder. I'm not sure if this entirely answers your question. I would say from like the financial side, like I think like COVID and the lack of money being spent. Yeah, it's it definitely factors in to the number of Americans in my mind, at least just like looking at the Jordan Morris thing. We, we've talked about this on the show, but to repeat it, like. 
from what I understand, the German clubs that were previously interested in him and some other ones weren't as interested this time, not because he had said no the first time or because he had fallen off or hadn't developed. It's just because he's he's older. He's a more finished product. And that means he's going to cost more. And yeah. so Bundesliga clubs looking at that as, oh, he's a mid-20s guy who's already kind of developed. He's not going to be as open to change. He's not going to be as cost-effective for us. So we're going to go for the 17-year-old or the 18-year-old. I think the need to function on a tighter budget has probably made some teams that wouldn't otherwise have been aggressively scouting Americans start doing that. I And I, I think maybe more to your question, I think it probably requires success like larger success at the international level. Cause even like Graham Ruffin on the show w- was basically like, yeah, every time there's a breakout player, I now just am like starting to assume it's an American cause that keeps happening. <laughs> but that's like a, a journalist who watches a bunch of soccer. I still think for a lot, and maybe this is me being overly concerned with, with Europeans and their perceptions. I still think for a lot of soccer fans around the world, we're still like, Oh yeah, they didn't really qualify. And sometimes the Pulisic's good, right? Like they've got that Pulisic fella, yeah. like, uh, or Pulisic fella, uh, is usually, I'm guessing what they would call him. Uh, it, like, I think it requires <laughs> the U S to do something at the next world cup for it to then really be solidified as there is value there. And that value can win you something. Maybe it's if Pulisic wins the premier league and Reina wins the Bundesliga and McKenney wins Serie A all at once, maybe. But even then I think it's, it's just still seen more as individual. Individuals. I think it requires yeah. a collective performance from the national team for the U.S. to kind of move up in the global awareness standings, rankings, whatever they but, may be. But as a as a as an American soccer fan, it's nice to have both sides of that coin, right? To to have this group and and have them in these big clubs and playing in the Champions League, and oh, then yeah. and be able to to watch them and think of that as a reflection on uh, where American soccer has come, and then also say. Well, yeah, the national team needs some in some games because it used to be we didn't have that first part. We only had the national team, and we were always oh greater than the sum of our parts. And uh, we've got a player at Fulham, yay! Yeah. You know, Sasha Kleinstein's playing in the Champions League. It's like for for Anderlecht, <laughs> and they're not going to win, but we've got an American in the Champions League to go from yes. that to where we are now. Is uh, yeah, it's a step. It's definitely a step. It's it's a step. It's surely, it's surely. <laughs> it's a happy step. It's a very happy step. So too is having a, a baby. I do want to go back to the famous baby eleven. What was the uh, origin of that one? How did that come to be? I, you know, I don't know. I I, I was just thinking about. Uh, I had done a Christmas character eleven on yeah, my yeah. Instagram just for fun. What did it on my radio show, and I was like, hey. You know, I just had a baby. I'm be thinking about babies a lot. Well, there's some famous babies. If you had to pick a famous baby 11, what would it look like? And and if I'm not mistaken, the Total Soccer Show has been known to throw together an 11 here or there. This is true. From some some cultural, uh, so, some cultural. Um, I don't know what the word is. Clout. Sure, that's. I, <laughs> you yes. weren't going to say that, but I'll say it for you. No, I don't know what the word was, but uh, regardless. Relevance? Yeah. yeah, to talk about something that wasn't just soccer? Yes. No, I, yes. Didn't, I didn't prepare a baby, a famous baby 11 mm. for this. I didn't come with like, okay, there's my left back. But I do think it's interesting to ponder, you know, where Maggie Simpson would line up if you had to go out uh, and win against okay. him. All right. So that was, that was I, I had not like seen your selections or heard your selections, but that was going to be my first question. Is it real babies or fictional or a combination oh, thereof? Oh, come on. We're, we're not going to be sticklers for the rules. There are okay. no rules. Right. We're just, just having some fun here. I think, um, I think I put this up in, uh, the, the slack that we have for the people that, uh, support us on Patreon of the best soccer show. And they, they ran with it even more than I expected them to. Uh, I think they had, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Cause I want to give you some of what, what they suggested. Uh, well, Michelle Tanner came up, and the question of whether or not the Olsen twins fill two positions or only one as a platoon 
is certainly uh, certainly one of the things we can talk about. Uh, you have the Rugrats again, fictional, but but you know, famous babies. Mm-hmm. They're in there. Do you have to play them all together? Do Chucky and Tommy have to line up as a two striker in a two striker system, or can you split them up? That kind of thing. I, are, the, the like the Mary Kate and Ashley thing. Like, were they babies on that show? I guess yeah, they, they were, were in the baby, beginning, right? They were baby babies when that show all started. Right. Yeah, yeah, and they obviously they you know. You can't child labor laws or whatever. That's what that was the thing, right? You couldn't have. Had to, oh yeah, that's you, what it is. Yes, you had to alternate them. Yes, right. Because then they had twins on the show, and those were played by triplets. I forgot what about that. that? Yeah, there we <laughs> go. You know, you know some Full House trivia. I didn't. I didn't remember that one. My wife and I bonded over this that we used to like use uh, like the afternoon TV shows as a way to time stuff. So like if I was like heating up pizza when I got home from school, I knew like this this show was going to be like 22 minutes long or whatever. So I could watch that show and then the, the, the frozen pizza would be ready. So I think that was one of those shows where, yes, and I was also shocked to hear that Bob Saget was not this wholesome, wholesome fellow who oh. just raises children and says uh, nice things. Yeah, slightly different, slightly different. Well, on that one. Most of the suggested babies tend to they're, they're fictional babies, whether they're um, actual people or or animated. But there's a lot of animated. We got uh, uh, let's see. Stewie Griffin came up at one point. That's fair. That's a good show. As a number as a number 10. You know, I don't know, false nine, number ten, something in that area. Uh, he's always making plays, and he's and he has the time machine. So if things don't go well, he can just go back in time and play it again. It's <laughs> a good point. Um, Pebbles and Bam Bam came up as well. I don't know if you have to play them together, if they can be split up as as well. Uh, let's see. Oh, somebody really threw a wrinkle at me. I don't remember the baby's name. I guess he was just the baby, the dinosaurs baby. Do you remember dinosaurs? I'm the baby. Gotta love me. Of course, yeah, I do. yeah. The baby gotta love. Not, Not the mama. mama. Yep. <laughs> that, that, is that a number six? I see. Kind of made for that role. Maybe I, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, he has the disposition of like a Big Sam managerial sort of person. Like I just picture him like <laughs> slouching in a chair, and that feels like Big Sam okay. to me. Well, I I, su- I said, what about Boss Baby? Now, Boss Baby could either be your manager, and owner. Maybe a slimy commissioner, maybe an agent. He could be all those things. Can I tell you one that came readily to mind that if Daryl and I had done this, he would have told me I wasn't allowed to say. <laughs> oh, really? Whoa. Baby Yoda? No, it's like, no, it's genuinely like a joke in poor taste. It's also a history nerd joke, so I'm, I'm more okay. okay with it. But oh, no, no, I know where you're going to go because I had the same thought. Lindbergh baby. Yeah, because it's always going to go missing. You don't want to put it in the lineup. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it because I was like, that's not right. He didn't. That's no. I mean, I feel like it's like 90 years ago and I'm pretty sure he had like Nazi sympathies. So it's no, fine. The baby's dad had some Nazi th- sympathies. The baby was in an innocent Taylor. <laughs> Let's just make sure that that's clear. I suppose that's true. I that's, suppose that's true. That's true. <laughs> You're not your father. I'm not mine. You know, things uh, change. I also Jennifer. had uh, Virginia Jordan from 30 Rock, Tracy Jordan's uh, daughter. I feel like she'd be a, a good amount of like good chaotic energy to throw in there. I don't know how much you were into 30 Rock. I know you're into Archer. What about Baby Seamus? Does he factor in? Oh, Baby Seamus could be in there. Shoot. It'd be in the wee Baby Seamus for sure. That's <laughs> That's an interesting one. <laughs> it's a little bit more narrow casting. I'm not sure everybody's up on Baby Seamus. Probably but... not. I'm, I don't even know. Are we still – like Archer's still doing the weird season to season. They're just doing entirely different storylines now, right? You know, I've, I've – Have you fallen well, off? I lost the thread on Archer maybe four or five years ago. It's yeah. been a while. Uh, and yeah, they went – they did like the Bayou season or the the – the uh, L.A. confidential yeah. style yeah. season. Mm-hmm. I watched those. I think they ended up going back to sort of the standard. You know, we were in an office in presumably New York, kind of. Okay, I think the know. last one I saw, they were in outer space. So oh, I don't really know yeah, what to yeah, make of they that. They did do that one as well. <laughs> I think that involved like a cyborg version of yes of Kruger, whatever his name, Krieger. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've maybe lost some people here who tuned in for the soccer awesome. conversation, but awesome. so be it. How do you all, um, like, so for this type of thing, how do you all come up with what's going to be on the show any given time? Because I think for us, it's just much more like, oh, we're talking Americans abroad. We're answering listener questions. Like, the, and like the segments like that where it would be the the Marvel 11 or the Simpsons 11, like those were very like we would both spend a ton of time researching it and it was going to be the standalone episode. <laughs> it feels like for you and Jared, it's much more like, hey, I had this idea. You want to do it? Sure. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, you could say that we're lazy. I guess you could look at it that way. See, that's but not I, what I mean. I knew it came across that way. No, All no, I no. mean is that like you have to come up with a lot more of this type of thing, whereas for us, it's like we're dedicating an entire show to it, whereas for you, it's like one segment. So then it becomes like, how much time are you putting into it? Or is yeah. it just like, yeah, it's a fun thing to do really quickly off the top of our heads? Well, so here's the other thing, and I, this is going to give you an opportunity. I think you, you're going to be including your, your ad in this show, right, that we do our show live mm-hmm. whenever we can. Which means that we can get immediate feedback when we throw a question out, which means we can like use other people's ideas. They throw them in chat. They, they call us up. We take phone calls. And, and since the Total Soccer Show is moving to some sort of live event, maybe you can do the same thing. You open it up <laughs> to the people. That's, that's how you, you, can, well, you, also, you can call that lazy also. But I, I, do like, I do also think it's just collaborative. I'm All just going to point out that I have not said the word lazy other than to say that I was worried you would say I was saying you were lazy. I believe you have said the word lazy about yourself twice. I feel the well, need to clarify okay. that. I, I, there's no way that anybody should call me lazy if only because I have to program three hours of soccer radio every weekday, generally speaking. In addition to the, the podcast, I might take a few shortcuts. Again, knowing that I have somebody else who's going to be, be bringing ideas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's if th- there are obviously very different approaches that can deliver – equally entertaining informative programming i think that you know that's yeah. what we're that's where we're at i like the soccer it. show is not the best soccer show and that's a, that's good that we, why would we want copies why would we want the same thing i that, feel that, like i feel like you're you're wanting me to let slide that that little wordplay there and i'm not sure i can let that slide Total <laughs> soccer show is not the best soccer show i see what you've done i see what no, you've done the other way around the best <laughs> soccer show is not the total so- no it's the same thing damn it <laughs> Uh, to your point, yeah, we are doing the the stereo shows. Uh, the first one will be myself and Ryan because I think you can only have two people on mic at one time. Um, so it'll be me and Ryan. Sometimes it'll be myself and Joe. Sometimes it will be Joe and Ryan. It might be other guests as well. But it does allow for people to record their own little messages, their own comments rather than type them out. And then they can submit them. And then they get played live on the air uh, when What's Joe, what? the producer, just wants to put them in. So we're going to get random comments from random people. Hopefully friendly. I'm going to get sometimes mocking. Okay. Are you comfortable? Are you ready for live? I don't know how much live you've done. Uh, like, I, I mean, I, I feel comfortable. <laughs> I like that I stole on this question when I asked about how I do with live. You, you um, can go and edit that out. Live, you cannot do that. <laughs> well, first of all, like, I feel a need to never, ever say that I'm good at anything uh, because, oh. I don't know, it's weird like that. Uh, but I think I'll, it's more so... The format, I think, is what I get a little bit nervous about. And like, like, uh, like when we're with the Cooligans doing the live shows, like the Cooligans are stand up comics and also very good soccer personalities, but they have the, the stand up background. They can always sort of rely on their material. And it was a recurring thing for me and Daryl of like, we're sandwiched between like Michael Majid doing the MC stuff, doing stand up, then one of the Cooligans, and then closing the show is going to be another Cooligan doing stand up. So what are we doing exactly? And like there were definitely audiences who were there for comedy. And so we had to kind of figure out what we're going to do to try to entertain the people who are nominally interested in soccer but want comedy but also reach the people who are much more interested in soccer. And so Mm -hmm. I think once 
I feel like I get the format or understand or have things that we can go to or rely upon, I feel more comfortable. No, it's your, but it's your audience. Like you're, for sure, it's your audience. It's not going to be this, this is true. Part, partly comedy audience. It's going to be total soccer show people. They know they they come to you because they like what you what you make. So you're going to be fine. I think my my recurring problem. I was almost going to ask you about this, and it feels. I don't know. Whatever. It's a little. It's a little bit real, but like, I, I, like this was. This has been a thing with like me not liking puns. It's not that I don't like puns. It's that like <laughs> if I'm laughing out loud at a joke, it's because I think it's funny. Otherwise, I'll be like, oh yeah, that was clever. But you can't really say that on a podcast. There's no way to be like, I am quietly laughing in the background. Like, so you have to either oversell the laughter, or more often, Daryl would make a pun, and I would be like, I recognize that that is humorous. It does not make me well, laugh out loud. You don't. What you what the what you lack. Uh, Taylor, which is fine. This is a good thing. This is not a criticism at all. But what you lack is the um, the ability to be mean in that moment. That's what you lack. <laughs> so, for example, part of the dynamic on the best soccer show is that Jerry Dubois will say things that are occasionally ribald. That might be the nice word for it. They're occasionally <laughs> nobody says that word anymore. Uh, it might be a little, a, a little bit edgy. There might be some innuendo involved. Uh-huh. And rather than laugh uproariously, sometimes I do because they are legitimately funny. Other times I'll be like, no, you cannot say that. What are you talking about? And we, I play his drop and we move on. You know, this is the difference between our show and your show. <laughs> and, then, and then you guys go into the 433 and we're like, so did you see the haircut on that one guy? Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I think only a few times was, were there yeah, moments when Daryl was like, you can't say that. That's kind of how it would work. Okay. I was going to say, did you, my, my other one was the Christian Pulisic photo shoot. We would probably do 15 minutes on that. Well, so it, actually, I'm, I'm glad we went back to that because, like, that was one where I saw those photos and I was just like, oh, no. Like, this is, this is a choice he's made. And I sent them to my brother and sister-in-law who are both, like, very big into fashion. They run, a, a, like, a shop here in Richmond uh, that does very well. Very, I like their taste. Uh, and, I, and I sent them to them kind of expecting a lot of, like, oh, no. And my brother-in-law, the same brother-in-law, is a graphic designer. So I'll send him stuff sometimes. And he's just like, yeah, they didn't put much thought into that one. And they were both like, he looks good. Like, he's doing his thing. And I was just like, what? And they're like, yeah, man, there's something to be said for, like, that's clearly his style. That's clearly what he's into. It's what makes him feel confident. And I was just like, all right. And that was an interesting one because it's – Well, you know, you, you said it earlier. Like, there's – we were talking earlier. You said something about how there's just this sort of aggressive negative negativity that lives on the internet. Like, people just feel like yeah. they have to, you know, take a dump on everything. And I think that's a good example. I I didn't think they were great. I'm not going to tell you that I was like, I mean, oh, yeah, those yeah, are food cut. No, thanks. But I also think that, you know, judgment gets weird. And to say, Mm -hmm. oh, that's terrible is kind of a weird position to take when it does nobody any harm. And it's, you know, it's just it's just maybe a little bit, you know, it tends to reflect more on the person making the comment and the judgment than it does on the person who took the pictures. Right. To say something like, oh, that's terrible. That means it makes you uncomfortable for some reason. Maybe look at yourself and figure out why that is. Like, what is it about that? And again, fashion in general is extremely subjective. So sure. Bootcut jeans, not a great look for most people. I'm not into that, but is it wrong? Maybe in three years I'm going to be all Buka jeans, Taylor, because yeah, that's man. where things have turned. Well, it was that thing where like when I like – I still have the beard. But it was like I think at one point I, I did grow my hair out a little bit. I, I think I wore a man bun once and then I saw that graphic of like the man bun and beard is, is the new like 80s uh, like <laughs> mullet with like the bad goatee. And I was just like, uh-oh. <laughs> that's not good. Yes. So it is, it is yeah. the case that every now and then the thing that we're like, oh – 
fashion will never ever reach higher I, levels than this and a year no. later it's like oh no that was a bad choice what were we doing I, I think we need to agree as a society to give enough time before we really dive into the aggressive negative takes on on fat like if you want to look at you know i'm watching cobra kai love i caught up i want i watch cobra kai they they do a lot of flashbacks they talk a lot about 80s stuff yeah, you know what? 30 years ago, something that, that was very popular and very fashionable looks ridiculous now. Let's make fun of that. Most of the people who, who lived through that era are old enough to take it. But if it's like two years ago, this guy wore his hair this way, and now that's completely out of style, everybody laugh at him. I don't know if that's really necessary. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, it's just such a short period of time. I'm yep. still catching. Re- this is a little bit different, but it kind of in the same vein. I was, uh, so we... Uh, we're, we're getting ready to have the baby. We just finished reno- renovating a large part of our house, right? We bought a house last year. We renovated it. We did our kitchen the way that we wanted it, which is fu- I love it. It's fine. But I saw some TikTok or I read something and this person who was a, uh, I don't know, the, either a real estate agent or a home designer said, uh, you know, the farmhouse aesthetic is out. That's terrible. Get, you know, no more white kitchens. It's terrible. Nobody, nobody get white kitchens. It's over. And I'm like, my, my, I just did my kitchen and it's white. And white uh, kitchens are of, over. All right. There's a lot of farmhouse stuff in my in yep. my house. Like, oh my god, should I feel terrible about that, or should I be like, screw you? Why are you, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, but then there's also the, like that person likely has a vested interest in if everybody has that kitchen, then right. like that's right. the end of it. So you got to keep it going. You got to find new ways and like, oh, no, that one is the terrible thing. You've got to do the it, new thing. That's way better. That's the it's all it's like an entirely black kitchen where you can see nothing. That's the height of fashion. Now you well, cut off all your fingers with one knife. It's great. It's just like the person writing the headlines at The Washington Post who has to frame up the, the Joe Biden Rolex is the, yeah. the worst thing to ever happen because yeah. otherwise people will not read your story. They will not change their kitchen and buy your products. Meanwhile, right. Donald Trump is like trying to literally buy the golden woman from the James Bond franchise. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I need a, a, a human dipped in gold. That's the height of luxury. But uh, yeah, Biden wore a watch. Uh, I We'll say to our to the fashion. Uh, we'll stop talking about fashion. I promise. But I was watching Ocean's Eleven recently, and I remember like when that first came out, thinking like this is the height of like all of these men are so suave and sophisticated. And you watch it now, and it's a lot of like ill fitting shiny suits and mm-hmm. this sort of like messy early two thousands hair. It doesn't really hold up. And yeah, it's it's funny how quickly of, it shifts. Are uh, there a lot of like open? Yes. Open shirts in that movie? Wide collar open shirts, yes. Wide collar open shirts. I feel like Brad Pitt walked around in a wide collar and open shirt for most of that flick, for sure. For like most of the 2000s, I think, yes. That's that was, true. That That's was true. kind of the look, yes. That's so yeah, point. fashion subjective changes readily. Changes. Baby 11s also change change readily. Who's your goalkeeper? Um, I think, oh man. It uh, would be well, Baby Yoda think, for me. I think uh, the, the dinosaur's baby was mentioned. Oh, you, you know, here's a wild card. Now maybe not goalkeeper mobility might be an issue. Well, mobility would be an issue everywhere on the field for this for this baby. Baby Groot, can you work Baby Groot into your team? Ooh, I think you have to. I think I mean with the that's <laughs> Baby Groot's your goalkeeper. Okay, he, sac- right. he makes oh, sacrifices. Right, right. He self sacrifices, but he can that's stretch. True. He's, He's going to be moody. Goalkeepers are kind of moody, a little bit strange, a little bit out there. Always very skinny, but very tall. I'm seeing a lot of baby Groot here. I think it works. Okay. All right. Well, then we figured it out. Look at that. <laughs> Plus at, the, the dancing. He's got the locker room uh, locker room components as well. It's going to be a good chemistry guy, baby Groot. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Goalkeepers are weird. Baby Groot's weird. It, it's, it's a perfect fit. 
Uh, my final question for you is a, a soccer question, and it's just like Frank Lampard question mark. Uh, mm-hmm. wh- where do you think I saw you ask this question? Where you think he ends up? I don't know why talking about Baby Groot led me to this, but I think because of locker room, I thought about like what locker room is he going to vibe with the most? What do you think is next for him? I've heard some people speculate like he might just kind of do the Gary Neville thing and just decide, you know what, management's not for me. I'm just going to be an analyst. Yeah. Uh, there was an MLS uh, suggestion. W- mm-hmm. What do you think is the most logical next step for him? Um, you know, I, somebody said, I think the first person who said MLS on, on Twitter was Manuel Vett, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he also came back with, I was kind of kidding because Frank Lampard makes way too much, made one too, way too much money at Chelsea for any MLS team to afford him, which is probably true. Um, I, I don't know that it means he wouldn't consider it. And you do you do have to look and say you know like it's a different level of of profile. Chelsea and Monaco are are very different, but Monaco still you know has been a Champions League level club. They've done some 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 big things. They do have some pride. Thierry Henry crashed and burned at Monaco, and now he's coaching in MLS. I'm not saying he's a success in MLS, but he's coaching in MLS. Would Frank Lampard, who does know the league a little bit, a la you know same way as, as Thierry Henry did, would he consider it? I, I think it would be fascinating. I, I think that whoever hires him is going to probably be doing it for name, not necessarily for resume. Uh, but that's maybe why Phil Neville's got a job in MLS now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, he, he has a, a longer resume than than Lampard does. But considering the venues in which they were coaching, I'm not sure that, that they're all that different, those resumes. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I'm... I don't know where his ego is. I guess that's what I, I that's the thing that is hard for me to figure out. Like is his ego so big that he's going to say, "No, I'm not taking a step back. I'm not going to go be an assistant anywhere or I'm not going to be in the championship," which, you know, he had good he had a good run at Derby County. He could go back. I'm sure somebody would hire him. I don't know what his wage packet would be, but somebody would hire him. They're turning turning over managers left and right in the championship in a given year. I I, yeah. I think if I was advising him, that's what I would say. Hey, take a job in the championship. Um, see if you can bring a club up or, or see if you can help uh, a struggling team find their way to respectability. And that's going to give you more cachet moving forward uh, than waiting it out and maybe trying to take a Premier League job when a club is in desperate straits at the end of the season and, and you know relegation looks likely. You don't want that job. That's, that's, that's a poison chalice. So I, I, that's, and I, I don't see him getting a job outside of, of England or MLS. I'm not sure there's another place in the continent where he'd be hired. I think that that I would agree with that. I think MLS makes sense for some of the things we've already talked about where like I do wonder if some like, you know, youngsters in Major League Soccer are going to listen to Thierry Henry in a way that Monaco players might not because they're like Mm -hmm. there's all those stories, right, of him just like yelling at them to do it the way he wanted them to do it or like Thierry Henry like – hitting an inch perfect shot from 40 yards away and then being like, just do that in the game. And it's just like, yeah, that's not really going to work, I don't think. But I do wonder if when it comes to Major League Soccer, and maybe this is like more of like an, another era, but like Thierry Henry, Frank Lampard, there's that, even like Ruud Hullet to some extent, there's the idea of like, oh, they're former Europeans with big names. They must know a lot. They must be able to bring in a lot of expertise and experience. Yeah. And I think there was a time when that sort of the name recognition was a huge part of bringing in that manager. It feels like we have kind of moved away from that, especially with a lot of the recent hires. Well, I don't think that I don't think the record of those managers you mentioned was good enough to yeah, kind of. Well, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't win, and it, for a long time, the conventional wisdom that was that four managers couldn't win in MLS, couldn't win championships in MLS. Yeah. Uh, now it, it Tata Martino did it, 
But Tata Martino was also a, a particular kind of manager, right? He wasn't a, a, a player who, or a coach rather, who was leaning on his name as a famous player. Yeah. He was very much uh, committed to a particular style of play. I think he's, I mean, again, I'm going to throw out some generalizations that maybe aren't completely fair because it's hard to know, but he was more maybe studious and more detail oriented than, than some of those, certainly than Rude Hulett, who knew nothing <laughs> about MLS. And, and, and he took, Tata Martinez's attitude was, I'm going to come here, I'm going to learn about the league, I'm going to try to coach the soccer I want to coach. But he was also willing at various points to change his his tactics and change his his, his philosophy a little bit to help his team win. I, you have to be willing to do that. I mean, you have to be willing to do that in any job, but I think particularly you have to be willing to do that in Major League Soccer where you can't, if you're Frank Lampard coming from a money club like Chelsea, you can't go and buy your way to anything. It's not going to work. I just will forever remember that story about Rude Hillett being like, all right, go buy that guy. And they're like, no, that's not how it works. Like, we can't do that. Sorry. Like, what's that uh, now? We have yeah. to trade? There's yeah. a draft? I don't understand. What are these things? Inter- what was it? Well, I think it was... I think, yeah, it was early. That was early post Beckham. So it was the, the rules had not even, you know, they hadn't even evolved to, well, you can spend a million oh, yeah. on a player. Oh, no. That was like his first, I think it was Beckham's first season, Hullet was the coach, and things went poorly. Yeah. yeah. Very poorly. And then yeah. less poorly, decidedly less poorly by the end. Uh, Jason, I think I've taken up plenty of your time, especially since, you know, there's probably a new baby who needs some attention. And I will say for me, there's definitely a new baby who needs some attention. Yes. I think I hear some crying in the distance. Uh, anything else you'd like to what discuss? Was not, not mine. I thought it was mine. I really did. <laughs> Maybe it's both. <laughs> Maybe it's both. <laughs> They're yeah, synced we'll, up already. Okay. Tiago <laughs> and Revy are already, uh, simpatico. Uh, but what would you like to plug? What do you have coming up before we, uh, we call it a day? Uh, well, I, I will say that um, we're going to run this on the Best Soccer Show as well for our midweek From the Stands episode. So thank you for being on our show as well, Taylor. Um, My pleasure, Jason. It's always nice I, to be here. I, we are obviously, you know, you're going live with Stereo. Very excited to hear that. But we're going to be live on Sunday. We're going to do a post-game show for the U.S. Men's National oh, nice. Team game against Trinidad and Tobago, as we love to do. And that means call-ins, uh, live interaction with people, your take on the game post game we didn't talk about roster we didn't talk about <laughs> formation we didn't talk about lineup for greg berhalter with that game uh but i will do that with uh w- w- we'll do that with jared and and hopefully people will uh will join us after the game so that's roughly 9 p.m eastern time on sunday night just keep an eye on our twitter handle which is bestie soccer we're on instagram at the best soccer show that one's easy and yeah, subscribe and like and review and all those things that people do for podcasts. As is usually the case with Jason Davis, it's like you f- – it's up. It's the opposite with Felipe. Felipe, I'll have like 40 questions and he will answer all of them like without me asking half of them and then I'll end up with like 40 more. With Jason, I will prepare questions and then we just don't really need to get to them. I have a bunch <laughs> of U.S. men's national team questions. It was just sort of like, ah, we're all over the place. We're talking about what we want to talk about. I enjoy that. No, don't always love- get to do that. So it's a good time. I love that. Yes, yes. I think that's because we je- – I don't know how you and Felipe get along. I'm not going to judge your relationship. Uh, but you and I generally like each other. I think that's what that is. Oh, no. Oh, yes. That is true. You and I are, fr- you and I are friends. Felipe are and friends. I are friends. Felipe just has that like that knowledge and knows yes. – he almost has that like encyclopedic knowledge of all – I'll just say like, hey, what was this guy's deal? And he will in in – wonderful Felipe fashion will say like, ah, oh, you know, I don't really know that much about him. All I know. And then it's like a four minute life story <laughs> in which he hits all the details and like explains the tactical nuances of why this didn't work versus why this did. Mm-hmm. And then it will be like, yeah, so I'm not really sure how it's going to work out for him. And I'm like, well, you seem like you got an idea, buddy. 
There you go. That's Felipe. Yeah, no, he, everybody. Yeah, he knows his stuff. He for does. sure. As do you. As do our listeners. So, listeners, thank you all for listening. Jason, thank you once again for being here. You're welcome. And listeners, we will talk to you all again very soon.